right, so we took another one of those unscientific surveys this past week on Facebook. We've been asking, what's the greatest something of all time when it comes to Christmas? So this week we asked, what's the greatest Christmas tradition of all time? Left it pretty open-ended. You could have answered anything, like opening presents or um, putting out the nativity scene. Uh, some of you came up with some pretty interesting ones. Somebody said, making a birthday cake for Jesus. Somebody else said, making 40 pounds of tamales. In my house, our Christmas tradition with the boys was always letting them open one gift on Christmas Eve. But I'm going to give you the three top answers and let you know that one of them was far above the other two. But I'm going to let you vote in here, and that will be the definitive answer for all time. All right? So here are the three choices. Um, the first was driving around looking at Christmas lights. The second was uh, picking out or cutting down our own Christmas tree. And third was Christmas Eve candlelight services. Okay? Ready? Dad, you raise your hand for your vote. Who votes for driving around looking at Christmas lights? Greatest Christmas tradition of all time. All right, see. How about uh, picking out or cutting down our own Christmas tree? All right, a few more. But I'm guessing it's going to be the third one. How many say the Christmas Eve candlelight services? Yeah, there you go. That was number one online as well, by far, uh, which is pretty cool, right? Because in the midst of all this American modern hoopla about Christmas, it's nice that we can just get together and focus on the real meaning of Christmas, that it's all about Jesus. What we're doing right now, I think it's the greatest thing we can do. And yes, we will have, at the end of the service, our greatest tradition, which is singing all night with candles, okay? We're, we're going to do that, but after all, we are serving, we are, we're serving and celebrating the, the greatest person ever. But maybe you bought one of those little trophies for your mom that says, you know, world's best mom, or a mom for your dad, world's greatest dad, which, of course, you know those things are mass-produced, so obviously can't be actually objectively true. Or maybe you got one of those t-shirts that say, you know, best husband ever, right? You got one of those? Me neither. But anyway, it just goes to show there really can only be one. You can't have a bunch of the greatest. There's only one. Now, when we're trying to figure out who is the greatest person alive, Time Magazine every year comes out with the person of the year who, in their opinion, is the most consequential, who has affected the world that year for good or bad. And, you know, it used to be a bigger deal when people actually read Time Magazine. But for what it's worth, this year, did you hear who the person of the year was? It was President Zelensky of Ukraine. Uh, it doesn't really matter, right, because that's going to be forgotten. All I have to do is ask you, who was last year's person of the year? It, it was Elon Musk, about three years ago. Greta Thunberg. Right? They're all going to be forgotten. Ten years ago, twenty years ago, fifty years ago, nobody can remember them. But Jesus will never be forgotten. He is indisputably the person of every year. Because His life continues to affect us right down to this day. I mean, He is still alive. He died, but He rose out of the tomb. All the other great men and women have died or will die, but Jesus is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. The first and the last. He will never be forgotten, which is why we're still celebrating His birth 2,000 years later. The, the calendar is based on His arrival. Right? The timeline is split into two. Everything's either B.C., before Christ, or A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And the Old Testament prepared us for Him. The New Testament revealed Him as God in space and time, the Christ and the Savior, and He's still affecting the world more than any other. His influence is felt 
impacts every part of the globe and every facet of society. And certainly, his influence is felt in countless millions of people's individual lives. He still reigns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is eternal. He is immutable. That is unchanging. So let's say our theme verse one more time together out loud for this series, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. That makes me think of the Black Panther chant, right? When he's trying to inspire his warriors to keep fighting. What's come to forever? Well, we say Jesus forever because he inspires us to keep fighting on in this world in spite of all of our opposition and oppression and mistreatment. Our enemies in the world, the devil, our own flesh, whatever danger, whatever disappointment, whatever hurt or heartbreak, whatever financial or health worries, we keep fighting on because Jesus is with us. Whatever you're going through is temporary. It will come to an end. Jesus will not. He is forever. And I know Christmas isn't always a, a joyous time for a lot of people. It's a time of, of pain, of unresolved relationships, of grieving memories, of loneliness. But whatever you're experiencing is short in comparison to eternity. And God wants you to know that He's here with you. He knows, He sees, He cares. He wants to give you help, and He offers you hope. And it's crucial that He's the same tomorrow as He is today, and He was yesterday. Because all of our eternal joy hangs on the hope that the historical Christ that we've come to know and love and worship will be the same tomorrow and forever. In the midst of this crazy, constantly changing world, He will never change. You know, back before He came, the world was waiting. You know, Christmas is a time of anticipation and preparation. And everything was leading up to Him, but many people missed Him. So what I want to do is not to focus so much on His first advent on that silent night in a stable in the little town of Bethlehem. I want to focus on His second advent when He will break through the heavenly realm into our physical cosmos in cataclysmic power and glory because that's the era that we're in. We're now waiting for Him to come into the world again. And I don't want anybody to miss it. In fact, nobody will miss it. Because Revelation 1-7 says, Look, He's coming with the clouds and every eye will see Him. Are we in the end times? Well, we know that apocalyptic alarmism is certainly in the air and it has been. We know that true right now because a recent survey just came out from the Pew Research Group that showed 39% of Americans, that is two out of every five Americans, believe that we are living in the last days. And that's not just Christians, that's all Americans. In fact, that's a lot of people who aren't Christian. In fact, they found 29% of those with other religious affiliations believe that the world is winding down. So are we in the last days? Most of the people who believe that are self-proclaimed Christians. In fact, two-thirds of evangelicals believe that we're in the last days. But that tells me there's still a lot of people that say, I'm a Christian, but they don't believe that or they don't understand it. And look, we may differ in our interpretations on the logistics of it, on how Jesus is going to come back, but we all better understand He is going to come back and we need to be ready for it. Because He told us in Matthew 24, 
concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So God's got a calendar. It's going to happen. He just hasn't shared it with anybody yet. But you can be sure that it will be soon and it will be sudden. Because Jesus goes on to warn in that same passage, Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then he says in Revelation 22, I'm coming soon. Well, you say, how can he say that when that was written 2,000 years ago? Because soon means at any moment. It's immediacy. It's eminence. It's urgency. In fact, Hebrews says, in these last days, he, God, has spoken to us by his Son. That means the last days began with Jesus. The countdown has begun. The clock is ticking. In fact, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, also said, Dear children, this is the last hour. So history is winding down, and it's also building up to this climactic event that's moving forward according to God's timetable. It's going to happen at just the right time, in the fullness of time, just like it did the first time Jesus came. Scripture tells us that when Jesus ascended back into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. But one day the Father's going to say, Son, get up, it's time to go. So our big idea is to eagerly anticipate Jesus' arrival. That final book of the Bible, Revelation, is full of apocalyptic imagery and symbols, but we're not really looking for something to happen. We're looking for someone to arrive. So Revelation opens with the words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that word revelation in the Greek is apocalypsis. Apocalypse means an unveiling. You've seen a statue get unveiled. You know, somebody will pull the drawstring and the veil will fall and everybody can finally see the statue revealed. Well, one day the Father is going to pull the drawstring. Jesus will be revealed. Father will say, now you can finally see my son, my beloved son, in his full glory. Because the first time he came, his majesty was veiled in human humility and fragility as a baby in a manger. And he was missed, misunderstood. Rejected. Condemned. But the next time he comes, he will return as a conqueror. And it will be very clear that he is who he always claimed to be. The first time he came, his glory was concealed. The next time, it will be revealed. The first time, there was no room in the inn. The next time, all the world will not be able to hold him. The first time he came, there were just a few shepherds that witnessed him. The next time, Every eye will see him. The first time he came, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. The next time, he will be glowing in lightning bright, radiant robing. The first time he came, he gurgled and cooed. The next time he comes, his voice will be like the sound of rushing waters. The first time he came, only a single star pointed to him. The next time he comes, all the stars will fall from the sky as it's rolled up like a scroll. The first time he came, lips spit on him. The next time those same lips 
It's a beckon of the Lord. The first time he came, he was mocked and despised. The next time, every knee will bow. The first time, Jesus stood before Pilate. The next time, Pilate will stand before Jesus. And the first time he came was for a crucifixion to wear a crown of thorns. The next time will be to come for a coronation with a crown of crowns for the King of Kings. It will be very different, and you need to be ready. It will be such a joyous, spectacular event that it will make his first advent pale in comparison. As those lonely shepherds were out in the middle of a field on an other ordinary night, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host, that means a multitude of angels, could be thousands, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So you can imagine how jaw-dropping, eye-popping, breathtaking, mesmerizing that had to have been, and yet it will be nothing in comparison to when Jesus flips the sky and we see him in all his glory, the sky filled with countless angels, all the angels. And it will happen suddenly, just like that first time in the field. You know, Christmases have come and gone, come and gone for many centuries, but who knows, this could be the final one. All those Old Testament prophecies got fulfilled suddenly in one night. And you can be sure all the New Testament prophecies will get just as fulfilled suddenly as well. You just don't know when. The question is, will you be ready? As Jesus comes through the heavenly realm, breaks into our physical cosmos, and does a complete makeover to create a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and we will dwell with Him together forever. And what are we going to be doing there? Well, what will Jesus be doing? We already know what He's doing. We saw how today He continues His role working for us as Messiah, which means the Anointed One. In the Old Testament, there were three key anointed roles. There was prophet, priest, and king. And Jesus right now is king on the throne over the universe and over his spiritual kingdom, the church, both those who have already died and those who are still here below. And he's still our great prophet, teaching us and guiding us through Scripture and through the Spirit. And he's still our high priest, mediating for us and interceding for us as we pray in his name. And when the angel Gabriel spoke to the Virgin Mary, he announced he will be great and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him what? The throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So he'll bring his throne down to us to dwell in our midst. And he will continue to be our prophet because his words will never fade away. And Scripture says you will be a priest forever. And you know, a priest had to be a man who could represent the people to God. Jesus was the perfect high priest because he was both God and man. Not only did he represent us to God, but he represents God to us. And if he's going to be a priest forever, then doesn't it stand to reason that he's going to remain a man forever too, both God and man? Because the priesthood got passed down over and over through the generations. But no more. Jesus is the final, ultimate, perfect, permanent priest. And we're going to be joining him in his work 
I mean, if you just think that we're going to be lying around strumming hearts, you've been watching too many cartoons. That is not the way the Bible describes the new heavens and the new earth at all. Yes, we will continue to worship Him forever, but it's not going to be an endless singing session of repeating the same chorus over and over and over. We're going to worship Him as we go about our activities and our business. It will be anything but boring. Why would we think that we will have anything less there than we have here? We'll have everything we have now only better and poor. It's not going to be a downgrade. It's going to be an upgrade. What's, what's it going to be? There's going to be loved ones and saints and peace. Then there's going to be meaningful work and relief and rest and laughter and joy. There's going to be dazzling beauty and fascinating travel and amazing adventures forever. It's going to be just as God intended it at the beginning with Jesus at the center of it all. Now, what's, what's Jesus going to look like? What form is he going to take? Well, if he's going to continue to be both God and man, I think he's going to continue to look like Jesus. He's, you'll be able to see this, the nail prints in his hands and the, the scar in his side. I mean, after his resurrection, he still had his physical body, but glorified and transformed. And that wasn't undone at his ascension either. He went up into heaven with that body. In fact, two angels appeared to the disciples and said, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, well, he's going to come back in the same way as you saw him going to heaven. Now, Jesus came down to us and took on our bodies, but one day we're going to take on his body, a body that is immortal, imperishable, free from pain and disease and decay and death, one that is fit for eternity. Philippians 3 says, our citizenship is in heaven right now, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. So Jesus is going to continue His work for us, publicly speaking, and we will join Him in that work. Because Revelation 1 says that Jesus has made us a kingdom and priest to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I don't know exactly what everything is going to be like, and I don't know what the future holds, but I know somebody who knows the future, who's already in the future, and that changes our perspective on everything. That gives us confidence. That gives us endurance. And so if you are in just a miserable place right now, a low place of discouragement, of despair, and maybe even suicidal, you need to hang on because there's something much better coming. There's much more to come. God's got something big in store for us. Don't miss it. And that stirs our heart with excitement and expectation about what's to come. That He's going to complete our redemption and will receive our reward. He knows the future. And so faith is living with the confidence that He's going to make good on His promises complete our salvation. And we'll be with Him forever. So Titus says, we're waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The greatest of all time, and we can hardly wait. Some of the most exciting words ever spoken were by the angel to Joseph in Matthew 1. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call Him, what? 
Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is with us. He was with us temporarily for a while in that body, but He's with us right now through His Spirit. And we've already died with Christ. We're alive forevermore. We're already experiencing a foretaste of heaven right now through our fellowship with Him. So eagerly anticipate Jesus' arrival. He's coming back on God's timetable. Just the right time. But will you be ready? If you knew Jesus was coming back this week, would you do anything differently? If it was the night before Jesus came, and what to your wondering eyes could appear, but angels proclaiming, Jesus is here. It's only one life. When comes the call, you'll find that the Bible was true after all. Don't you miss that? Make sure that you're right with Him today, that you're trusted in Him as Savior. You've repented of your sins. You've been baptized into Christ. You can do that today. And there's no time like the present because that's the only time you've got. You don't know how much time you have. Today is the only day God has promised you. But He's made you to last forever. He loves you and wants you to be in His forever family. I want you to know that your life here is very short compared to your life to come. You're going to spend a lot more time there than you are here. In fact, if I could take out my tape measure here and let this represent the years of your life, it, it wouldn't be like this. It would be more like this. Your life on this earth is this little centimeter mark right there. That's all you got on this earth. But the life to come is going to go on and on and on. And if this tape measure could go to the moon, to Mars, across the distant galaxies, to infinity and beyond, that's how much you have left to go. Your life here is very short. But your life there that lasts forever depends on the decisions you make in this very short time. Make a good decision. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus today, then I'm going to invite you to text us or email us or to come down and meet with one of these people in the next few moments while the music is playing or come up after the service. They can answer your questions. They can pray with you. They can help you take your next step to become a Christ follower. And if the Lord tarries, if He delays, if He doesn't come back today or anytime real soon, like if He gives us a new year, will you make Him the center of your life? Will you make Him more of a priority? Will you get to know Him through reading His Word, the Bible? Will you come back for worship next week and the week after and after and every week? Make Him the core of everything. Next week we're going to be talking about what's the point, the main point of the Bible. It's a big story. But your story is a part of God's story. And the Bible answers all of life's big questions. But it's hard to get a grasp on the whole thing. But I'm going to help you do that with a special memory device, a picture to help you understand the big story. And then later in January, we're going to get back into the Gospel of John. And we're going to follow Jesus in His final days in His journey right up to the cross. We're calling it Jesus, beginning of the end. And you have an invitation card? Come back. Give that to somebody. Right now, we're going to respond by taking communion together. And if you're not a Christian, this is just going to be a quiet time for a few moments to think, reflect, pray, 
But if you're a Christian and you came in, you got your communion kit, it has the bread on one side, the cup on the other. The bread and the cup remind us of the body and blood of Christ given for us for our salvation. And it's something that He told us to keep on doing. And we're going to keep doing this every week, every week, until that final day. Because Jesus said that this will continue. The Bible says, for as often as you eat this bread, you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. How long? Until He comes. And then when He does arrive, Jesus promises at the Last Supper that I'm not going to eat the bread again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then we're going to share it together with Him face to face. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, come quickly and complete our salvation. We want to thank you for your, your birth, your life, your death, and your resurrection. Because that's what makes us saved and continue to be saved, and we will be saved on that final day. So until then, strengthen us to keep living for you, doing your work while you're away, getting other people ready, and sharing the hope of salvation with them while we have the time. Lord, you said you come for us, and that, that just fills us with joy and keeps things all in perspective and helps us to live every day with uh, confidence and perseverance. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So while the music plays, feel free to come to the front, speak to these folks, or take communion where you are, and then we're going to share in the candle lighting.